the straight man to the late man where have you been I've been here and I've been there and I've been in my dad last night that was fun he liked it right he liked it he thought the teacher was very pretty rosemary uh mrs cross yes she was also she was also bruce willis's wife in the sixth sense yeah you're right you're right i know just watched that like six months ago maybe i watched all of m night Shyamalan's movies actually yeah i think that is not a bad movie six Sense is not a bad movie uh it's probably his only good movie honestly uh yeah i think it because i think it's a good movie like it it's wasn't a genius that it was like touted were people touting it as genius Yeah, when it came out, because mm. because he was dead the whole time, right? And that was like, didn't see that coming, did you? Holy fucking shit! And I genuinely didn't see that coming when when I saw it because I was like ten. Mm. <laughs> uh, yeah, but... I remember uh, Newsweek had a cover with him. That said, like, the next Spielberg? Or something like that. Yes. Uh, they really did. It didn't turn out that way. But... It, no, it didn't. It was like, it was like after that... I know everybody says Unbreakable is good. I never saw it. It's not. Uh, it's, not. it's not. No. Um, but yeah, like, after that, every single movie that he made was 1941. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I guess I remember people liking Signs also. Um, I liked Signs because I was like 13 years old when I saw it. Right. Um, Um, But he did just unleash like a series of catastrophes one after the other. uh, Yeah. After that. Uh, Man, have you ever seen Lady in the Water? I saw Lady Lady in the Water in the theater. (laughs) Really? Yeah. Because I had nothing else to do. Damn. And it was horrible, and I thought it was horrible then. It's a pretty bad movie. It's so bad. But I don't even know if... I mean, the fact is he's released at least, like, two movies that are worse than that. Uh, Avatar, which is borderline unwatchable. Yeah, I never saw it. uh, After Earth... Which, uh, also borderline unwatchable. I also never saw... I listened to the We Hate Movies episode about it. Stick with that. I mean, it's it's more boring than anything else, you know? 
I mean, it's, it looks boring. Like, it looks like one of those things where nothing happens in it. That's pretty much the case. And they got Will Smith to be in this movie, and, like, he just, like, sits there and speaks in a sullen voice for, like, the entire movie. It's really, like, why well, didn't do you bother it, didn't just, like, Will Smith? Because he wanted his kid in it. Yeah. He was trying to make Jaden, like, a thing, because that Karate Kid movie came out. If you recall, I recall. I didn't see it though. I didn't see it, but I remember that that happened. And now Jaden Smith is just like a professional weird Twitter guy. <laughs> <laughs> um, man, maybe maybe this this is a good conversation. Maybe this should be the beginning of the episode. <laughs> Are you recording? Yes, I am. Okay. All right. Uh. So yeah, this is this is our podcast could be your life. Uh I'm Jeff. I'm Caroline. Uh-huh. And uh we are here today to continue episode 2 of uh Progtober. Um Yep. Last week we or not last week, but last episode we did yes. And this episode, our Attack of the Clones episode, we will uh, be covering King Crimson. That's right. Actually, before uh, we They're a favorite. talking about uh, King Crimson, uh, there's 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 a couple of things I'd like to sort of address uh, off the top. Uh, oh boy! We are recording Jeff is going to get into his uh, his uh, strongly held libertarian political beliefs. <laughs> I'll hold off on that for a better episode. Maybe, uh, maybe when we talk about Rush, it'll be more fitting then. Um, no, what I was going to say is we are recording this episode on the day of Mark Hollis's death, uh, yeah. front man of Talk Talk. Um, just wanted to, uh, let out an RIPD for Mark Hollis. Uh, mm-hmm. I, you're, you're a Talk Talk fan, right? Yeah, I, Really like those last two, uh, those last two albums. Yeah, I mean, I'm not an. And we did, we did a, fan. we did a talk talk yeah, episode. Yeah. We did the episode right. Um, yeah, like I, I'm not a huge fan necessarily, but I was uh, saddened to see it. Obviously, a ridiculously talented musician, and uh, he'll be missed. Yeah, um, too young. Yes. Uh, and then. The other thing, um, I forgot what the other thing was. I had a second thing. Was it about Green Book winning (laughs) the Academy Award? It it wasn't, but that should also be addressed. Uh, Holy shit, guys! To be fair, I have not seen it, but I can't imagine it. No, I haven't either. Other than wretched dog shit. Yeah, like oh my god. I mean, just like Bohemian Rhapsody, I don't feel like I don't I need like, I don't to see like, that. I don't like Marvel. Yeah, like I don't like Marvel movies, but I would have been thrilled if Black Panther won over that thing. You know? Yeah, it was a pretty shitty lineup uh, this year. Uh, the favorite is great. Yeah, the favorite. That was like the only thing in there I was really rooting for. Like, I mean, Roma, yeah. I watched, and it was like, Roma was good, but in that mm-hmm. sort of, like, highbrow way where it's like, I'm never going to watch this again. Uh, 
Yeah. And, um, God, what else was even, I mean, Black Panther, whatever. Black Klansman. Bohemian Rhapsody. (laughs) Right. Um, yeah, I don't know. Isn't it amazing? Isn't it amazing how Walk Hard has made every uh, music biopic completely unnecessary? For real. Like, I. I really seriously genuinely believe that John C. Riley should have won an Academy Award for that performance. <laughs> like, I'm not even good. kidding. He is, he is wonderful. He's amazing. And he looks like a big, giant baby. He's awesome. I love him. Did you ever see the Beach Boys uh, biopic uh, with um, Paul Dano? Uh, no! Oh my no. god, I forgot all about that. Yeah, and John Cusack, and they're playing like young and old Brian Wilson. Oh my! Who played Mike? Who played Mike Love? I don't remember. Did you know uh, that he he wasn't really a big part of it? Uh, yeah, they they focused more on the villainy of his like therapist that was around okay. him that was like keeping him like on shitty pills that fucked him up or whatever. Like fucked up. Yeah, sure. You know, when I was in paralegal school, somebody told me I looked like Paul Dana. No. Is, is that a compliment? Do you take that as a compliment? I, should I? I think he's cute. He, he, he's all right. I mean, he's he all right. I read some. I read some fan fiction about his character and Daniel Day Lewis's character, and there will be blood. They got up up to some shenanigans. Oh, there was blood. It was kind of gross. There was well, it was kind of disgusting <laughs> to be honest with you. But uh, sounds cool. No, it wasn't. But uh, <laughs> that is a great that is a great film, dude. There's and Paul um, Dano is very good in it. Uh, the best thing about this Beach Boys uh, biopic, though, is that I, it I has like you you know how they all have that scene where like. You know, one of them, like, comes up with an idea, and everyone is like, I don't know, man, I don't know if we should do this idea, it's just too crazy, you know, it's just too genius and yeah. forward-thinking, and I don't know if any of us can handle it. Yeah. It, it's, there's, that scene is in there, fucking, <laughs> I don't know, it's just, like, funnier, like, I don't know, Brian, can Yeah, but is it? This? But is it, like, is it, like, them writing Kokomo? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, you know, it's Pet Sounds or whatever. Or them doing uh, their their many guest appearances on Full House. <laughs> well, that was they were Sam, like the Full Sam House Brian house Wilson, band. Right? No, I think he was involved. Really? I think he was like peri- like he might have been on it like once. I, I think for the most part it was a Mike Love uh, joint because this was when John Stamos famously was in there. Yeah. Um, as like their drummer, I guess. Did you ever see that episode of Law and Order SVU where John Stamos is just like a weird guy who pokes holes in condoms and has like a million kids? (laughs) No. (laughs) It is fantastic. I bet. (laughs) Yeah, there's literally a scene of him in like... Do you you know the reading glasses that Homer wears? Yeah. Those little, yeah, he's wearing those, and he's poking holes in a car. 
in a police station bathroom. It's so funny. Well, that's wonderful. I I it's, still to this so day good. I have never um, watched an episode of Law and Order. Well, uh, you're missing out, my friend. And you know what I've seen nearly every like episode of though? Forensic Files? No. What? Catfish. Uh, yeah, me too, because Catfish <laughs> fucking rules. It's a great show. I, uh, that's, that's my Jeff recommends for the day, Catfish. Yes, uh, I'll back him up. <laughs> um, so, did I already say what band we're talking about? <laughs> yeah, we're, we're talking about King Crimson. Can you yeah. imagine if you went on Catfish and then it turned out you were being Catfished by Robert Fripp? That would be wild. What's, what's really funny terrifying. are the episodes of Catfish where they think they're talking to a celebrity. Yes, uh, like the girl, the girl that thought she was talking to Bow Wow. Yes. And then, but then the, the gold standard, of course, is the guy who thought that he was talking to Katy Perry. <laughs> uh, and and then after he met the girl who it really was, he went all the way to England to meet this girl who just like kind of was like just like a shitty kid who didn't care. And then he called her later. It was like, hey, Katy. Uh, I met this girl that said she was you, uh, but that's all fake, right? Like you're still Katy Perry and you're in love with me. Like, oh my God. <laughs> that was a real one. Sometimes the levels of delusion on that show are pretty heartbreaking, really. Yeah, it's it's sad. Like it it it's it's it says some thing about like where these people are in their lives anyway uh if you want to talk about where i've been in my life i've heard every single king crimson <laughs> album uh how many of them are good in your estimation uh, honestly like even the ones that i don't think are good when i listen to them i still like like them because i just like the way that robert fripp like approaches mm -hmm. music like up like i would not say that all of them are essential but I like even like uh, construction of light and like power to believe. You don't need those albums, but I still kind of like them when I listen to them, just because I like hearing those mm. guys play. Interesting. It's like the Breeders, yeah, in a way where I like I like every every single Breeders album I like just because I like the way that Kim Deal approaches sure. music. It's like it's like how I, I feel am the with same way about. Yeah, I I like the way Bradford Cox just like exactly. writes songs. I like their new album a lot, and reaction has been very middling, even more so than uh, Fading Frontier was. Yeah. Which. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think like Monomania feels like their last album, um, masterpiece, and I know that it's a little it's a little controversial. I think even to call yeah, that one like I'm, a masterpiece, but it's a lot so of people don't like it. Stupid. It's weird. I don't know if you saw the... Uh, and those people are, are. incorrect. Uh, I don't know if you saw Vice uh, did an article where Bradford ranked uh, Deer Hunter's albums. Uh, and he put Monomania at number one. Yeah. And he said that anyone who doesn't like Monomania does not get what he does. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's right. I'm... I'm kind He's of fucking right. Agree. Bradford could be Bradford could be a dick, and Bradford could be a dick, and he does it intentionally. I don't 
don't begrudge him that because it's nice to have somebody he's that's fun. like interesting. Exactly. And and not in a way, and he's not in a way where he's like all of a sudden like Billy <laughs> right. Corgan going yeah, on Alex exactly. Jones show kind of shit. Like he's not talking about his weird right wing political beliefs that I don't think he has. <laughs> um, that yeah, would be disappointing. Uh, I I'm pretty sure he's not right wing. <laughs> Patrick Cox. <laughs> yeah, that would, I, I think there's a lot of a lot of things that would kick mm. him out of that club. It's like how my mother thinks eventually I'm going to become a Republican, and it's like, uh, y- yeah. Uh, I say this all the time. There's a like lot of my, things. That's the thing. You hear all the time, like, oh, you know, you're left because you're young, but you'll grow up and you'll see how the world works and you'll become conservative. It's yeah, like, no, and, and it made, the way it the, made exactly, me even more left. Exactly. Seeing the way the world worked made me realize how completely full of shit every aspect of life is. And uh, I know. I went. I went from like. I went from like a. As in high school, being like mild Democrat, like I didn't know who Bernie Sanders right. was at the time, but I was very like you know Bernie Sanders my, mild, and that too becoming an adult and having to do shit and being like fuck right. all of this, like full revolution now kind of thing. Like that's, I I think a lot of people in our age group have gone through that kind mm. of evolution. <laughs> It's, uh, yeah, and, and and now... And a lot of people just, like, do what their right, parents tell right. them to do. But, you know, I've got, like, a real job now, uh, and it... it yeah, and it <laughs> fucking sucks. It's actually not that bad, but what I was going to say is that, like... No, you have a good, you have a good job. Right. I don't like my job, because I get yelled at all the time. Um, but, like, I make, a, I make pretty it's good whatever. money, and I'm getting, you know, New York taxed, which is pretty high. Uh, but you know, my, my dad is yeah. now like going in on the, like, don't you hate your taxes? Don't you want to move somewhere else where you won't be taxed like this? And it's like, no dude, that's, we live in a society. <laughs> yes, exactly. Like, exactly. Like, I, what the I hell? He thought like but that was the thing. This isn't, this isn't the me. Chapo trap house. <laughs> No, it isn't. No, it isn't. Um, right, we're talking about King I'm, Crimson. Never um, listen to them. They're pretty funny. I don't. I don't listen to them every yeah. week, but. Um, but anyway. Uh, I'll tell you who's not funny is King <laughs> Crimson. Uh, yeah. Actually, that's not true. I, I think Casey actually does uh, show a sense of humor yeah. at times. Um, more so than yes, yeah. I would say. Um. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. Uh, before we started this uh, unit of the podcast that we're doing right now, uh, what is it? Social <laughs> studies. Um, I was ready to say that King Crimson is my favorite of the bands that we're going to cover, and you know, having mm-hmm. listened to Yes for like a couple weeks, and now to King Crimson for a couple weeks. Yeah, yes, we're I awesome. I think yes is better than King Crimson. Uh, I, I think, I I think maybe, you know, I, I was attracted to King Crimson because they were more uh, avant-garde, I guess, or they displayed a more avant-garde yeah, they're sensibility. Like, they're like the, the, yeah, they're like the well-known prog band that it's mm. cool to like, because there are prog bands that are obscure, like fucking 
magma or caravan or something that people like because like nobody knows who they are. But of the ones that everybody knows who they are, King Crimson is the one that's cool to like. That's probably true because for that reason, you know, they're arty. They're uh, they're difficult kind of. Yeah. Right. They're weird. Um. But you know, like I find um. None of their music really tugs at the heartstrings the way Yes kind of does. Uh, I've I've never cried listening to Yes really? like you have. Uh, <laughs> I I cry at everything. But there is like a real emotion behind Yes that I don't I don't that hear as much in King Crimson. Unidentifiable. <laughs> Maybe it is, it's not in the lyrics, probably, but the the melodies are uh, uh, heart. They've got heart, man. Yes, have heart. What about like like Starless? That doesn't. I've cried to that Starless, song. Yeah, maybe. Um, so so you're not agreeing with me on this premise, or? I mean, I I I really really love mm. them both. Um. I would say that King Crimson were more of the obsessive uh, band for me because with Yes, I have my Yes albums that I love that are among my favorite records like of all time. King Crimson were a band I got into later that became like I need to have every single thing mm. by this band. Like I knew them when I was a kid because my mom liked In the Court of the Crimson King and so I listened to that when I was like six. But So you... I was pretty. <laughs> I was pretty. Uh, you have a long cool history kid. with King Crimson. <laughs> Not really, though, because my mom only knew mm. that album. Um, like, I didn't hear any of the other ones until I was in like middle mm. and high school. Um, my history with King Crimson—it's weird. I didn't really. I knew them like by name, but uh, I didn't really mm-hmm. listen to them until I was like older. Um, I do remember my dad had a cassette of Lark's Tongues and Aspic, which in retrospect is, is very strange because that is a really unusual choice for that to be the one that he owns. Not even just that. Uh, my dad is, I mean, I guess King Crimson, you could call it dad rock, but, uh, King Crimson strikes me as. Uh, kind of out there for my dad uh, to be into. Um, mm-hmm. So your dad like uh, eating potatoes like Todd Rung- <laughs> Rungren guy? Uh, you know, he loves Led Zeppelin. Led Zeppelin's his favorite band. Well, Todd, Todd Rungren's a little yeah, weird. Yeah. I don't know what, <laughs> what I'm I saying. I saw a Led Zeppelin cover band with my dad, actually. Was it Led no, Zeppelin? It, uh, it was just some... Was it Dread Zeppelin? It was neither of those. It was just your uh, regular Degular so it was some... uh, Led Zeppelin cover band. I believe they were called Zoso. That sounds. Of course, they were. That's the other one. That's mm. the other big one. There are three very popular Led Zeppelin cover bands. You know, it's weird. Um, my dad didn't really like share music with me at all. Uh, like he, I just didn't mm-hmm. like grow up listening to music because of my dad. Like and. And that's why I was talking about this last episode. Like, my earliest music memories are, like, 90s alt-rock bands. Like, that's kind of what I heard in the car and shit. Like, my dad never played, like, 
the music he liked for me. It's kind of weird. Yeah. No, my dad. My dad liked uh, Tchaikovsky. And my dad liked Billy Joel. His <laughs> two favorite artists. Uh, seriously, yes. Those are my dad's two favorites. Interesting. Uh, my dad loves Swan Lake, and he loves Billy Joel. You also say that uh, "With or Without You" by U2 is one of the greatest songs ever. Yes, that's one of his favorite songs. Also, um, "Who Could It Be Now" by <laughs> Men at Work. Uh, that's a pretty eclectic selection for your dad. It's it's interesting because you would think like my dad's eighty two years old, and so you would think that if it would be all John like listen to the coasters and <laughs> yes but like like vocal groups right. from the 50s cuz he did like that stuff when he was a kid but he goes to the the best time in his life which was apparently the 1980s why why does he consider and that the best time like the life? late 70s through the 1980s uh i think cuz he was just like a cool single guy working in New York, having a great time. Oh, we worked in New York. Oh yeah. Tell. No, my dad worked in New York for like thirty. Oh wow. Five Tell years. We said what up. Yeah, he worked. He worked across the street from the oh, World Trade Center. Neat. Like in the seventies and eighties. Did he live in Jersey at the you time? Know, when all the unpleasantness. Ah, okay. Oh yeah. Yeah, he lived. In Totowa. Uh, all, all of uh, all of our listeners know about Totowa, New Jersey. <laughs> that most famous of cities. Um. Yes, and he lived in this split-level house that I got to see, and I would kill to live in that house. So it was like an early '60s piece of shit house that I would kill mm-hmm. to live in. Um. Burnt orange car. My what was I about to say? Oh yeah, but uh, and I remember like listening to the first track of that cassette though, and not really getting any further with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also remember the second time I ever heard King Crimson was in 2006 when the film mm. Children of Men came out. Uh, oh yeah, that was a great yeah. scene. Uh, which used. I watched I watched that movie because I knew that that song was in it because I knew that song from childhood and then middle school hood. Dude, I watched uh, Children of Men just like a couple months ago. It, it holds up, man. It's 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 a yeah, good it's hold up. Mm. It's a good movie. I haven't seen it like since yeah, I it came out like on right. Video. I hadn't either video uh, or whatever, but but I was actually surprised at how well it held up. Um, it's a yeah. good movie, Children of Men. Um, but yeah, I I saw it in the theaters Shout with my out. dad, and he actually leaned over and went like, "This is King Crimson." Uh, and I was like, "Oh, cool. yeah." Connection fired in my head. Um, see, my dad would do that, but they'd be playing Down Under. Men <laughs> <laughs> were. Um. He loves that album. The whole album? Yes. That's strange. Yeah, my dad is a, is a peculiar Dude, I person. I hate Land Down Under. That is, I hate that song. 
Like that's an instant station change if that No, it sucks. It's it sucks. Um Who can it be now is kind of fun. <laughs> I probably only like it be- because right. my dad likes it, which is also why I like Billy Joel because it reminds me of my so, dad. Did you like play that album a whole bunch in the house? Like do you know that whole album? No, he um he had a cassette of that album that I think he lost and didn't buy again, but it, it, it like looms mm. large as a legend in his mind as like a great album. The and um, no, he played. <clears throat> yeah, he played a lot of uh, Piano Man and a lot of like Swan Lake and Tchaikovsky, like piano concertos. <laughs> And the Beach Boys. My dad liked the uh, Pet Sounds too. Yeah, see, I yeah. I like didn't get into all those canonical classic rock albums until I was in like high school. I can play them. It was it was it's weird. Yeah. Well, you it's true. You work with what you've got. Um. Yeah. All right. So, King Crimson. Then uh, maybe we should give a little history. Since you read that dog book. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah, I did. Uh, most, most of what I remember from it is uh, you wouldn't know it to look at him. Robert Fripp. Uh, you did mention that during the Yes episode. Yeah, you. Yeah, I didn't expect that. I didn't think that I like. I, look, most of us, not all of us, but uh, most of us in our lives at one point point or another we have sexual relationships and it's fine and it's great we keep it private because that's what you should do god damn it um but uh i did not think that any of those guys were like doing it just on the regular pussy. like rock stars just smashing pussy and i don't know why i didn't think that 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 would be a factor in king crimson considering that they did write a song um, about it fucking nerds like you don't they, they you don't are really think of them that way absolutely nerds and like and i mean i know nerds fuck too but no and like robert fripp yeah and like robert fripp looks like a fucking nerd and like I, i'm sure he's fine whatever we've all whatever but yeah, I was not. Expect- he was talking about like, you know, trying to pick up chicks and stuff, and I was like, "Really, <laughs> you?" Like, it is kind of hard to imagine. It was very off-putting, um, but yeah. So, in like the middle '60s, there was a group called who uh, put out one album that I have not listened to is probably garbage, um, and then. Robert Fripp was like, I run the show now. Get old uh, Greg Greg Lake on board. Get some other people. Put out fucking in the court of the Crimson King, and what do you know? You got yourself a classic, my friend. (laughs) Well told. Um, Yeah, thank you. Yeah, um, so let's talk about that album then in the court of the crimson king their debut 1969 yeah one of an observation by Ah. king crimson that's that's yeah that's what it's called in the court of the crimson king an observation by king crimson i don't know what that means it does not matter 
it's an observation of in the court of the Crimson King is what it, mm. it is. Listen, what do you need a fucking roadmap? <laughs> um, this is a good album. This is one of the greatest albums ever made. Like that's it's one of the ones people say it. Those, those people are correct. It's uh, fantastic. I'm inclined to agree. I'm gonna get this out of the way right now. If you don't like the uh, improv section of Moonchild, grow up. <laughs> that is the right. most controversial part of the album. Uh, yeah, I, I didn't like I didn't like it when I was a kid. I grew up. I put away childish things, and I became a man, and now I like it, and it's it's good. Is it my favorite part of the album? No. Is it good? Yeah. I like listening to people noodling. I listen to, like, Derek Bailey and shit. Put on a Derek Bailey album, babies. All right, um... I can take or leave it, frankly. Uh, it doesn't bother me, but yeah. I'm not enraptured by it either. I'm usually just sort of patiently... I'm kind of patiently waiting for it to end, but it doesn't annoy me enough to, like, skip. All right, I'll take it. So that's my uh, Moonchild opinion. Because you know what's coming after that. Exactly. Um, yeah. It should be said... To me, this is the album more than any other that defines Prague in my head. Like, well, it is like canonically considered the first. That's true. I may disagree a little bit. Um, I would put Moody Blues Days of Future Past up there. You consider that, but prog? I get it. Yeah. Um, I guess I'm not familiar enough with it to say for sure, but I mean, it has a lot of instruments you should listen to on it, it, but it does it... have a lot of instruments on it. It's a concept <laughs> album about, about all the times of the day. Uh, I mean, is it any and it's more fantastic than like Pet Sounds is prog? I mean, yes, listen to Nights in White Satin. That is the prog song. All right. You ever hear Nights in White Satin, my friend? Yes. It, it's a great song. And it's prog. Yes. And it's a great song. I will not hear any argument. All right. All right. Um, but e e even if we are willing to call Moody Blues prog... I, mm -hmm. I think it's fair to say that, like, King Crimson really crystallized what the genre was about, I guess, with, with the yeah. first album. I mean... Yeah, they did. Like, if somebody... This is me, but if somebody asked me, what does progressive rock sound like, that's probably the album I would give them. I would give them Voyage of the Acolyte by Steve Hackett. I mean, it's not a good <laughs> introductory... Uh, How is it not? Have you ever heard the song Genesis Ace of Wands? solo album? Yes. Do you know. know why? Okay, okay. I 
I have made like so many people listen to the song Ace of Wands because it fucking rules so much. And it's like, and because like a lot of really great prog rock sounds like video game music. <laughs> like Siberian Kotruba, yes, yeah, sounds like a video game music. Mm. And uh, Ace of Wands by Steve Hackett sounds like video game music. It's great. And. And it's not an album that, like, people that aren't logged the fuck in to prog rock really know about, and they should, because it rules. Yeah, but... So, I think it's better than any uh, Genesis album, like, for real. <laughs> Even Foxtrot, I'll say it. Even Foxtrot. I really like, and I really Fox like Foxtrot. Foxtrot um, is fantastic! We'll get there. Um, you will, okay. Alright, so if you're gonna argue with me that this is not the definitive prog album, then... No, it is! No, it is. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. I, I agree okay. with you. I was just shouting out a little, you know, shining a light on a little lesser known... Uh, part of the genre but yeah like if you were gonna if somebody were to ask you hey what is prog rock all about which people have asked me before <laughs> uh by the way uh yeah it's about fucking melotrons and sh- and flutes and shit and you put on like the co- the court of the crimson king the title track and they're like they're either like this sucks and they're an idiot, or they're like, <laughs> tell me more. Um, yeah. Uh, right. That's what I'm getting at, basically. Um, and when I was a little I will kid, say, I thought that song was very scary. Really? I suppose oh, yeah. it kind of is. I also thought the spoken... I, I also thought that the spoken word portions of uh, all the Moody Blues albums were really scary. <laughs> Uh, the Graham Edge uh, poetry. Oh God, yeah. And music was a big thing. Like, at, at a lot of the like, because my dad liked classical music and played it all the time. A lot of that stuff was very spooky sounding. Like, uh, uh, my dad doesn't like Bach. My dad will tell you Bach is a hack, which I would disagree with. <laughs> um, but my parents, I think my mother put on classical music when my brother and I were kids because she thought it would make us smarter and Toccata and uh, Fugue in D minor like that's like Dracula's music <laughs> very frightening yeah it's that's like where Dracula comes from and I was very frightened of Dracula as a kid and still am today Um. Yeah. So, have you ever uh, seen Francis Ford Coppola's Dracula? By the way, I, I, I have not. Keanu, right? That is a weird movie. It is a weird movie. Mm. Anyway, yeah, it's like an even worse Keanu performance than Devil's Advocate is what I've been told. Uh, yeah, Devil's Advocate is okay. Okay, say. Whatever you want about Devil's Advocate, and you would be correct. But it fucking goes for it. 
Devil's Advocate is fun. Like, it's like Showgirls in that way. Devil's Advocate is hilarious. It is... I, I don't want to say it's great, because, like, like I, I know, it's fucking Devil's Advocate, but it is such a good time to watch. I just wish it wasn't two and a half hours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's too long. Um, It's way too but, long. It's like a Tarkovsky movie, like... But uh, back back to King Crimson. Uh, yeah. This. Uh, all right. So we already talked about Moonchild and uh, how yeah. anyone who doesn't like the ambient portion is a fucking idiot uh, who has no business. I didn't say that. Music. I just said they needed to. They just needed to grow up. They just needed to grow up. All right. Um, fair. Graduate graduate high school. Um, but there are four other tracks here. Yes, there are, including the amazing 21st Century Schizoid Man, which you may know uh, from Kanye West. Schizoid Man, yes. Uh, Thanks to Kanye for sampling that song uh, in power. Yeah. Um, Uh Fucking, this song rules. This is probably my favorite King Crimson song, actually. It is. Yeah. It, it's it's like it's like um it, it's interesting because when I think about like because I really love King Crimson and I've listened to all their albums and stuff if I were to if somebody were to say like what's your favorite King Crimson song I might say like Starless or even like Fracture or something because I'm an idiot um but if somebody were to say what's the best King Crimson song it's like 21st Century Schizoid Man it's like what it's like it's so good. It just rules. First of all, it predicts noise rock. That's pretty cool. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. It's like it's like fucking like Little Women or like Ladio Balaco, like the really jazzy noise rock. That's really cool. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's just got this lumbering riff and these kick-ass horns, and I love the like middle jam section, and then like when they come out of the jam section yeah. back into the riff, that is like one of the like best moments in rock music, in like all of rock music. The little like yeah, it is. I mean, I used to come on when I was young, when I was like. 12 i would amuse myself by playing that entire song on kazoo (laughs) (laughs) like including all the jam parts and stuff because i was so fucking annoying would you run out of breath um i was pretty i was relatively good at it because i wasn't a smoker at the time and i had had some like singing uh training like, I wasn't, like, a great singer, but I had some training, and so I was a little bit good at it. If I were to do it today, couldn't do it. But at that time, I was pretty good. The really remarkable thing about that middle jam section, uh, I absolutely love the part where, like, uh, like all the instruments just, like, cut out, and yes. it's just that, like, fucking the like locked in in synchedness of the fucking drums like the the horn is following the drum pattern exactly and that's like not a simple yeah. drum pattern you know 
Uh, no, this is one of the best uh, drumming albums, like, mm. ever. And not just that song. Like, I Talked to the Wind. I got really stoned once and listened to I Talked to the Wind and mm. got really into the drums on that song specifically. Um, I think it's a very underrated element. I love that song. I've, I've never I really noticed the, the drums on it, uh, to be fair. Uh, it is great you should, song, though. You should give it a listen. I actually really love the way um, you know, Schizoid Men just sort of ends with this like collapsing cacophony of, of you know saxophone and drums and shit. And then it goes right into I Talk to the Wind, which just starts with this like bed of flutes and mellotron and shit. Uh, it's 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 a really great transition. Like I I love the way that happens. Um, and oh, it's amazing. Wind is a great song, also, although it is kind of goofy hippie shit. But you know, it is I, what it is. Kind of very very lovely uh, lead vocal performance by Mr. Greg Lake. Yeah, um, um, maybe we should talk about who's on this album actually, because uh, yeah. Michael Michael Giles uh, on drums, yeah, because I talked about the drums. I should shout out Michael Giles, who is really great on this album, really shines. Mm. He's great. He was all, he was only on this one, and then on the second uh, King Crimson album, which is basically just like a retread of uh, the first, but it's still mm. kind of good. In the wake of Poseidon, it's got cat food on it. It does have cat food. Cat food fucking rules. 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 Absolutely rules. It's it's so good. Hmm. Um but yeah, we also got Greg Lake, uh, who would go on to be in Emerson Lake and Palmer. Uh, yeah. Uh on vocals. Uh Ian McDonald, who I believe this was his only album with them, or was it? I can't remember. Uh, no, he was on, he, like, this is his only thing as, like, a full member of the band, but he was on, like, a bunch. Oh, okay. So he like, he played saxophone on, um, on Red and, uh, stuff like that. So he was on a bunch of stuff. Okay. And hilariously, to me, uh, Peter Sinfield, who was only responsible for the lyrics, is that right? Yeah, it's, yeah. It's they had a full time member of, like, of the band it's, just it's to write lyrics. Like, uh, uh, okay, it's kind of like Robert Hunter in the Grateful Dead. All right. I don't know. Who um, is, so you'll have to flesh out this comparison for me. Okay, he was the lyr- he was a lyricist. He was a lyricist for the Grateful Dead. Um, because they, they couldn't. Yeah. Um. Yeah, he also wrote lyrics for Emerson, Lake, and Palmer. He wrote lyrics for, for their classic album, Love Beach, uh, which I own on vinyl because it's hilarious. Uh, the only ELP song I even know is Lucky Man, honestly. I don't know any of their other music. You should you should listen to Tarkus, because Tarkus rules. I'm not a big ELP fan, um, yeah, like but I've Tarkus rules and w- with like the worst part of prog rock, basically. Which <laughs> yeah, and and they kind of are, but um, <laughs> they do have some, some good stuff. And Love Beach is hilarious if you haven't heard it. It's really funny, and the cover is really funny. 
Also, it's like an album by Emerson, Lake, and Palmer. It's fucking called Love Beach. <laughs> um, but uh, there's two other songs on this thing also. Epitaph. That's right. Epitaph, which, uh... which uh, my mother my mother plagiarized the lyrics for a high school English assignment and did not get caught. <laughs> nice. That was high school in the 70s, baby. Nobody cared. <laughs> How popular she even, was she even King told me the line that she told Oh, they were huge. This was, was like Billboard one hundred, like top one hundred. Like this, this album was huge. Because I never heard them on like classic rock radio or whatever, you know. Yeah, I mean they're not, they're not like that kind of band, but yeah, and the Court of the Crimson King was like a massive record. Like you wouldn't think that really because it's so weird hmm. um and i like after that they became like a cult band and there's kind of this interesting thing um i forget where i read this but it was something where like in the 70s uh when king crimson would tour america people would see it as like they're getting dressed up like almost like they're going to see the symphony because King Crimson was like so heady and intellectual and then in England it was like rough because this is red era where they were like really fucking hard mm. and it was like metal like a metal show it was interesting uh disconnect that's pretty cool it is pretty um, cool I think it's pretty cool but uh two other songs on here uh, oh wait, I already said that. Uh, we already talked about Epitaph briefly. Uh, I like it. It's Which is great. Cool. You, you got great. Mellotrons in full force on Epitaph. But oh my god, the, the fucking Mellotrons are so good. <laughs> like, I wish that Mellotron... Like, the, the thing about the Mellotron is it apparently was such a huge, huge pain in the ass to use... Like, it was basically, like, impossible to use in live settings because of how weird and specific it was because of the way that it produced sounds. Um, I'm not, like, an audio engineer, but, like, the way that it worked was, like, through through magnetic tape and shit like that, and it was such a pain in the ass. But it's such a great sound. Like, it's just... It's so good, and... um, I know I mentioned Foxtrot before, but like the opening of Watcher of the Skies, that Mellotron, it's it's fantastic. Moody Blues used Mellotron a lot. It was great. But I think this album is like, it's like Mellotron City. It's fantastic. Mm. And uh, that brings us to the semi-titular track in the court of the, or just oh, yeah. the Crimson King. Uh, which Lord of the Crimson King? It's got all kinds of subtitles that I never fucking remember what they are. It's like including the dance of the Fire Witch and all this other shit. Mm. Um, I mean, if you haven't heard this song, then like get on that. Uh, you need to. Yeah. Yes. It's, Stop what you're doing. It's incredible. It rules. It's yeah. <laughs> it's one of the best songs ever. Um, yeah, it's like no yeah. words. There's no words. It's, it's right. for I, I don't... how good it is. I mean, there's words in song. <laughs> uh, 
Um, yeah, I, I don't even really know how to talk about it because it just rules. That's uh, yeah, the that's lyrics are say. like about puppets and uh, <laughs> chasing the winds of a prison ship. Taste the sweet and sour. I always like that line. <laughs> hmm. Maybe we should talk about lyrics actually, uh, since we brought up uh, Peter Sinfield. Uh, what do you think of the Peter lyrics? Seinfeld? Um, uh, I mean, I think that I honestly, I think that they're they're really good. Like they mm. work so completely for what this is. Like, yeah, they're kind of goofy, like Ren Fair kind of shit about like smiling as the puppets dance and all this other stuff. But it works so well. <laughs> and also, like the lyrics to Twenty First Century Schizoid Man fucking rule. Yeah, they're pretty cool. They're great. They're great. Like, whatever, man. Um, and Epitaph, I think, has really great lyrics. Hey, the lyrics of Epitaph were good enough for my mother to plagiarize. <laughs> so they're good enough for me. True. Um, maybe we should move on, though, because we barely covered any ground, and I think we're almost at the hour point here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. So we're so kind of We're skipping, we're skipping over, a little right. bit. Because, like, in the wake of Poseidon is, like, um, more of the same. And, um, like, Lizard, I think, is a great album. Um, but, like, we're not going to fucking talk about Lizard, you guys. Even though John Anderson is on it and it rules. Um, and then Islands has Ladies of the Road on it, which is the worst uh, King Crimson song by far. But it's also hilarious, because that's a song about fucking... Hmm. See, and you were surprised that Robert... It's also kind of... Ra- well, because it, it's like a joke song. It's like it's like how... Um, this, is bad exa- this is a bad example. But, like, you know how on Two Nuns and a Pack Mule, it's all, like, this fake, like, cock rock aggression... Like, it's like a piss take. Like, I know Steve Albini fucks, but, <laughs> like, it's, like, not, like, like that that album is, like, a joke. Um, Ladies of the Road is so completely a joke um, that it's, like, somebody, it's, like, so, if somebody, um, that's, like, a song written by somebody who, like, has heard of sex, but didn't like, but thought it was like a weird joke that everybody was playing on them, and not like a real thing that occurred. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, no one really likes these albums except for RYM, apparently, where they're all bolded. Um, yeah, well, so... <laughs> Lizard is fantastic. Like Lizard is underrated. <laughs> yeah, maybe. But uh, whatever. But we're just going to move right along to Lark's Tongues and Aspic, which is kind of their next yep. uh, well-liked album, I would say. Yeah, your dad's favorite album of all time. <laughs> uh, sat right next to his, like, Journey tapes and that kind of shit. Sure. This is great. Real shit. Yeah. Yeah. 
Okay, like this is the first. Um, okay, this is the first one with Bill Bruford. Mm. Like, guys, we all already know about Bill Bruford. Okay, he's great. He's been covered. John Wetton of Asia is great. I'll say this about Asia. I've never really listened to Asia, but in the heat of the moment, it's, it's a really fun song. Yeah, I mean, that's the only song any of us know by Asia, I think. Yeah, by Asia, yeah. But um, John Wetton is great on this album, and you've got uh, David Cross on violin. Uh, Taking a break um, from his cross-country comedy tours. Yeah, from uh, being Ronnie Duff's. <laughs> <laughs> I really wish that they that they let him uh, pull out uh, how high the mountain. <laughs> uh, if only he could throw the red balloon song uh, right in the middle of the set. <laughs> God, I wish. But uh, yeah, and um, what's his name? Jamie Moore, who. Uh, left the band because he broke his foot because he was go- going so hard like beating on chains and shit what he did um, he broke his foot that Damn. guy is cool it's <laughs> the coolest thing I've ever heard I know yeah that's like Masana shit <laughs> man um, so do you think this album is as good as Crimson King? Um, there are times when I would say yes, because I really, really like this album, and it's got all kinds of great songs. These days, I've really, like, been listening to In the Court of the Crimson King, like, a lot, and, hmm. and have been all about it. Um, but no, this album is fantastic, like, it's got Exiles, man. That's one of their signature songs. <laughs> this one, to me, just never seemed as satisfying. Um, not that it's bad, necessarily, but it just feels a little more mm-hmm. scattered, I guess. Um, sure. Like, Lark's Tongues and Aspic, Part 1, for instance, none yeah. of that hangs together for me like it it's just this kind of like disparate assemblage of pieces that they just kind of i know i I said the same thing about some yes songs last episode but Mm. uh but it just doesn't feel like unified to me like this isn't this isn't a song yeah well this (laughs) it's just like yeah it feels it feels much more um it feels much more like influenced by like free improv mm. like again like a Derek, Derek I brought up Derek Bailey before but Derek Bailey and, and like Han Bennett and people like that who are very avant-garde and I think that that was an influence and you hear it on that song specifically and I really like that kind of music and so I really like it because mm. I like that kind of music but if it's not not something like it's not something that you immediately latch onto in the way that you can with like some of their other stuff. Well, it's, it's or, also for sort of... for instance, like like the second part, 
Lark Sunks and Aspic Part 2, which has a killer riff, and also was in one of the Emmanuel films, the uh, famous right. softcore uh, porno movies. Yeah, it was in one of those. I never saw it, but I heard <laughs> so that it was in it. you saw Children of Men because of King Crimson, but not Emmanuel? I, you know why? Because I could never remember which one it was in. Because there's like a million, there's one where she goes to space. Um, it's called Emmanuel in Space. Hmm. There's like a bunch of them. There's um, there's one that I'm certain is racist called Black Emmanuel. And <laughs> <laughs> uh. uh, yeah, so no, I I haven't. I'm I might at some point, but th- that kind of stuff, I'll like. I'll be like, I'm going to watch that just to see what it's all about. And then I'm just like really uncomfortable. <laughs> it's like, have you ever watched Deep Throat? I have not. But but that's like... Yeah, like Deep Throat just now. made me really uncomfortable. Yeah, I mean, I mean, well, I think is it's like porn. I, I mean, I guess it's like, it's like not like hardcore pornography, but it's like basically a porno type movie. But yeah, uh, Deep Throat just made me really uncomfortable. I did not finish it. I was like, well, it's an important part of history, but uh, is it? Yeah. I mean, in a way, yeah, but that doesn't mean... It's not like art, you know? <laughs> you don't need yeah. to like, see it to understand like what it did and its impact and all that. I mean, Yeah, just, just, watch, just watch Boogie Nights and like you'll get it. All right. Also, um, you should just watch Boogie Nights because Boogie Nights is a great movie. <laughs> it is. It is. One one hundred percent. Yeah. Um, but the it's it's sort of interesting the way this album goes because you know it it starts with the title track, which is this kind of all over the place. Mm-hmm. It's got marimbas and then like evil violins and like metal riffs and the violin is uh, great. I really love. it. David Cross in this album. It's like, pretty cool. Great violin. Yeah. Um, and then after you're not, that, you're not made you, of stone. You, you get this run of uh, acoustic-driven tracks. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I guess in a way, yeah, I, I guess it's kind of the same as Crimson King actually, which starts off with like the meanest song on the album, and then kind of goes into gentler, frillier uh, territory. Um, but then it picks up again at the end with uh, some more meanness. Yeah, I mean, great. Yeah. Um, so I, I I don't know. Also, like easy the, money, easy money. I think it's kind of funny. I think easy money. Easy is- money. It's like a funny song. Yeah, sure. If you like that. I I went into way too high a register to do that. This this is a fun record, but it doesn't feel solid to me the way that Crimson King does. Like that was like I'll take it. Really a really well thought out album, whereas this does not strike me as a really well thought out album. I guess 
if I that think that sense. this is I think that this is a um I think that this is a album that grows on you like if you really like King Crimson this is an album that you probably really like like I really like because it grows on you and again like I just really like the way Robert Fripp like approaches music and mm. so the improv the improvisational stuff to me is really interesting because like the way that he approaches music and also Bill Bruford who I think is like maybe my favorite drummer I don't know I don't give a lot of thought about drumming but it's probably like him and um Teresa Taylor from the Butthole Surfers <laughs> um well her and uh, King Coffee of course but yeah like I just like the way that they approach music and so that stuff really grew on me um and again like also I think just like the songs like Exiles like I mentioned before Exiles is a really beautiful song mm. and uh Easy Money is a lot of fun and Lark's Tongue's an aspect part two fucking rules if you don't like that song you don't like King Crimson my friend mm. All right. Um, well, on that note, I suppose we can talk about Red. Yeah. Which I'm sure you have opinions about. Oh, you bet I do. <laughs> Okay, it may be a little cliche of an opinion, and I'm sorry. I think this is her best album. All right. Um, I think that's a perfectly acceptable opinion. Uh, I think yeah. most people would probably either say this or the debut. Yep. Um, I would personally probably go with the debut myself, but... Uh, I mean, mm -hmm. this is, this is, you know, one of their great albums, which they don't have a ton of, to be completely honest, or at least, you <laughs> I know, mean, uh, yeah, from, to from, from like be fair, beginning you're to right. end, great. Yeah. I mean, I, like mm -hmm. as most reasonable people would agree with me on this. I think most of King Crimson's yeah. albums just have fucking dicking around on it that only people who like really love King Crimson uh, will get into yep like me um, <laughs> it's true it's it's you know they're a band that rewards your patience 
and here that's uh, um, that's what I'll say. That's why I've, that's why I've listened to all of their uh, studio albums and a bunch of their live uh, shit mm. too. So, uh, do you think this is your favorite King Crimson? Just because like it rocks the hardest? I. Well, yeah, and I think that it's got the best um, songs, and I think like the like again like Robert Fripp, John Wetton, and um, Bill Bruford, just the way that they play together is so mm. good. Yeah, and it has um, my favorite song, which is Starless. Starless, which uh, speaking of movies that use King Crimson songs, was recently used in the Nicolas Cage. Uh, film, Mandy. Um, was it really? I didn't see that. Yeah, it was. Um, I would recommend. Is that a, is that a good movie? Yeah, I would say so. Um, was that directed by the guy that did uh, Behind the Black Rainbow? Because I liked that movie. Yes, it was. Which I haven't seen that one. Yeah, I like. I liked that movie. That was a good one. Well, then I recommend Mandy. Uh, it's visually beautiful um it has Nicolas Cage doing his thing uh and it's it's really it's really sad more than anything like it's a really sad movie um it has this real you know just really air of tragedy and devastation to it um that kind of makes it a tough sit um but uh I would recommend it certainly Good. I'll take it. So that's another Jeff recommends for the episode. Yeah, but yeah, just uh, this is an album that I will put on a lot when I am. Uh, I get off of work most days at seven p.m. and so when I am driving home and it's like eight o'clock at night, I put on Red. It's very atmospheric to be driving at night. What time Listening you to like Fallen Angel and stuff. Ten. Oh, okay. I was about to say, yeah. do they make you like go in at fucking eight? Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not working twelve-hour shifts. Um, I work an eight-hour shift. I just do it later, which I don't like doing, but they make me so. Fair. Um, but yeah, this album rules. Uh, as mentioned, it's got Starless on it. Uh. Which is kind of the, it's kind of the ballad of the album, really. Um, yeah. Because the first side. Yeah, is the just ballad like straight... is in fucking Providence. <laughs> uh, Providence is the requisite dicking around track on this album, uh, which yeah, kind of like the song Providence on a uh, Daydream Nation. Yeah, except four times. But longer. that one has Mike Fox on it. <laughs> Um, yeah, but I, I don't mind Providence, though. I, I think it's pretty cool, actually. Um, oh, that's great. And, 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 you know, the dicking around is pretty much just limited to that eight minutes, so I can, I can deal with it, you know? Yeah, so fucking relax. <laughs> but then you got this first side, which is just straight destruction, basically. Like, oh, yeah. uh, it rules. It's just this awesome jazz metal... Uh, it's just great. Yeah. 
Side A of red <laughs> is great. <laughs> oh, man. Love it so much. Mm. Um, that is and, and, like, yes. that switches time signatures like a motherfucker is amazing. That's true. Like you yeah, won't appreciate a good, want a good time. Your prog watch. Oh yeah, I do. <laughs> Thirteen eight, motherfucker. Yeah, that's why I like Diva. Diva do that. That's <laughs> true. Um. All right. I remember when I was uh, in high school and I told my uncle that I was getting really into Devo, and he was like, "Uh, you know." people that are like seriously into music we don't listen to that stuff and i'm like you're an idiot because the opposite is true i know but anyway go on it's it's when you get seriously into music that you're like oh man devo is fucking great they are so fucking good but listen to our devo episode for that we are talking about king crimson now (laughs) yeah i don't know if i have a whole lot more to say about this uh it's yeah. really good that's that's basically it fallen angel fallen angel man yep. that's probably my favorite song on the album actually really yeah good more, choice more starless it's an un- yeah. it's an underrated it's an underrated song you think well i i mean no but I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I I mean, I don't know if any of the songs on this album are like, oh, that one's not so great, except for Providence, maybe, but... Yeah, you're right. (laughs) It's just people don't talk about this one, about Fallen Angel, the way that they do about the title track or about Starless. Mm. Yeah. I mean, it's not underrated. Like, uh, uh, underrated, uh, underrated is such a meet-up term, <laughs> like all terms. Uh, but it's it's like kind of stupid and meaningless, a little bit. I mean, I suppose. I feel like I I know what. Well, people use overrated. People use it very weirdly. Sometimes they. Yeah, they do. They just say, like, it just means something I don't like, basically. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I'm I'm as guilty of that as anybody, I'll be honest. Yeah, sure. Sometimes things are overrated, man. That is so true. Uh, I remember Chuck... I, I went through a Chuck Klosterman phase, which was really stupid, but I was, like, 15, so forgive me. And he had a thing about perfectly rated bands, and one of the ones that he put was like blue oyster cult because and and whatever he said about blue oyster cult was fucking stupid and, <laughs> and betrayed the fact that he did not know a goddamn thing about blue oyster cult mm. i'm over it i'm i'm over for it now you're a blue oyster cult fan right yes i really love uh tyranny and mutation and um, mm. you should listen to that album. I have I have made you listen to that album. Uh, I don't know if you recall, but did you? 
I did. Like when we were hanging yeah, out? Yeah, long time or? ago I did. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, like I brought a, I brought my copy of it like to your house. And I was like, we're listening to this. You're welcome. <laughs> sounds, sounds like something you would do. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm uh, predictable. <laughs> um, you want to talk about discipline? I do. Discipline rules. I stole a copy of this from my older brother and never gave it back. <laughs> um, a very interesting thing happened uh, between uh, 74, which I think is when Starless and Bible Black came out, if I'm, or maybe, mm-hmm. uh, and 1981, which is when Discipline came out. And that very mm-hmm. interesting thing is that pretty much the whole band got swapped out, and one of the new additions was one Adrian Bellew. Yes, who I love. Yes, uh, who joins us for guitar and lead vocals, and if I'm not mistaken, he has been in that role since Discipline, right? Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. Um, Adrian Ballou, you may know... Like, like not current... You may know him for... I was gonna say not currently, but he actually is. You were right the first time. But, yeah, uh, you might know Adrian Ballou from Talking Heads, uh, Remain in Light, or, uh, or the song City of Tiny Light, by Frank Zappa of Shake Your Booty because he was on that album um, and some others. Yeah. And also uh, Brian Eno, right? Yes. What did he do with Brian Eno? I don't remember. I think he Um, played guitar on like on his like 70s albums. Or maybe I'm thinking of something else. No, you're thinking of Robert, Robert Fripp did Robert Fripp did Ah, mistaken. Um, he did some he did some stuff with um, he played live with David Bowie, mm. um, in like the late seventies, like in like seventy nine, um, and he played on like the first Tom Tom Club album. He did a lot of stuff. He's got his uh, fingers in a lot of pies. 
Yeah. Well, basically all you need to know is that Adrian Ballou is a cool bro uh, who plays the guitar very oh, well. Oh, great. <laughs> he has such a weird style. He does. Um, and one of the things that people often say about this album, Discipline, is that it sounds like the Talking Heads. It sounds like the Talking Heads, but weirder. Mm. Well, my whole thing about that is that I would say like half of this album sounds like the Talking Heads. And yes, and I would agree with that because like like uh, a lot of this so uh, indiscipline does not sound like Talking Heads. Right. Um. I- Actually, now that I'm thinking of it, one song sounds like Talking Heads, and that song is Elephant Talk. And even that only sounds like Talking Heads because Adrian Ballou sounds a lot like David Byrne. Right. He's doing that same kind of yelping, spoken kind of style that that David Byrne does vocally. But I wouldn't say that's the only song that sounds like Talking Heads. I think uh, Thila... Uh, how are you pronouncing it? I can't remember. How yeah. It goes. Um, that yeah, one, kind of. And and frame by frame, I think does too. Um, God, frame by frame is such a great song. This yeah. is probably my second favorite King Crimson oh, album. Yeah? I would say. You would take this. Over oh yeah, I point? love. This yeah, it's it's interesting. Interesting because to me, like a Court of the Crimson King is like almost like separate because that's like the one that everybody knows, and then everything else is like for the fans. I you know, that sounds true. so stupid, but that is kind, of, but that is almost like kind of how I think of it. And um, yeah, like I just really fucking love this record, like really, really a lot. And I was re-listening to it like in preparation, not even. Of it for this episode like i was just re-listening to it recently and i was like jesus christ this album is amazing <laughs> um i mean you can uh i mean uh, whether it sounds like the talking heads or not uh it does represent a pretty big shift for king crimson it certainly yeah. sounds like a break with what came before um yeah and what's really uh, what's really interesting is like you compare a lot of like what prog rock rock bands or a lot of like just kind of popular bands from the 70s like what they became in the 80s and it's like embarrassing right but with king crimson it was a natural evolution of what they were interested in like it wasn't cat it wasn't like a weird we gotta uh get up with the times cash grab kind of weird thing it was just Hmm. them all evolving and working together and and going into this idiom but like doing it really well and differently Mm. like i don't feel like they they abandoned anything that made them king crimson they just were like using a different idiom that's true um i mean they definitely didn't um cheapen their sound i would say by incorporating these these sort of more new wave elements um they they definitely were still a strange and interesting and uh artful uh combo at this point 
Um, oh, yeah. And I, I haven't heard their other 80s albums, but I'm told that they are in a similar vein. They are, and they're good. They're really good. Um, they're kind of... They're albums that I don't remember that I really like them, and then I'll go back and listen to them every few years, and then I'm like, oh, shit, all these albums are really good. Uh, um, they're, yeah, they're great. If you like Discipline and you want to hear stuff that sounds like Discipline, you would like the other two uh, 80s albums that they did. So that's Beat and Three of a Perfect Pair. What's uh, your favorite track on here? Oh, God, that's a really good question. Fuck. Um, it changes. And you're going to think this is crazy, but sometimes my favorite track is actually Sheltering Sky. I don't think that's crazy. Sheltering Sky is fantastic. It, it is a nice, it's a nice piece of music. Um, oh, yeah. I probably wouldn't count it among my favorites on here, but um, I don't blame you. Yeah. It, again, like if you really like the way that these guys play instruments, then you'll like it. <laughs> hmm. I think um, I don't know. Maybe this is a lame choice, but maybe I'd have to go with Elephant Talk just because I think the That's, the guitars hey. on it are so weird sounding. <laughs> I just they really re- are. Really love how they sound. Just like the first couple notes of it, you know that. <laughs> It's um you definitely know you're in for something different as soon as this album starts, yeah. you know. Yeah. Hey, you're right. Um, um and I really love both indiscipline and discipline. <laughs> they they are pretty cool. Um yeah. you know, I, I was saying uh only half this album sounds like the talking heads, but but in a way um, like Matakudasai and the Sheltering Sky, also kind of sound like some of the like tracks on Side B of Remain in Light, the like slow sort of empty yeah. tracks, you know. Yeah. Um, I'll take so maybe it. Maybe the comparison isn't that ludicrous. Uh, I mean, not that not that it's. No, I mean, it's. Not, I mean, it's not. All, but... Like it's it's not at all. <laughs> right. I mean, Adrian um, Blue it's is very right fair there. to say. He's right there. <laughs> um, he is great oh yeah great great artist um, man Crimson is playing live here uh, and I kind of want to go I don't know man. yeah I bet it, it's expensive you know I don't know if it is because I, I think I know you said that they were massive and all but like I don't they're a pretty culty band I feel like like they're not really they're a cult. They're a culty band, but also like they're a band that old people will go see, and yeah. they gotta, they gotta sit down. Right. <laughs> yeah, they're paying boomer prices, I suppose. Yeah. Exactly. Um. Yeah. Um. But discipline. Uh. Gets gets a thumbs up from old Jeff. Good. As it should. Uh, so we're skipping over these '80s albums, as mentioned before. 
Uh, and we are going yep. right to the 90s. Uh, yes. Thrak. Thrak, which is, okay, it's not a bad album. <laughs> it's recorded horribly. I'm glad you said that, because uh, my big thought when I was listening to it is just like, Dude, this is like produced like a post grunge album. Like Yes, it this, is. This, and this, <laughs> this yeah, is like produced it's, like it's, it's fucking awful. like Candlebox or something, you know? God. You, you wanna you wanna know something is um there was a joke on the Venture Brothers that lasted for like less than a minute that I became obsessed with. Which, which was there's a character the that's a pirate where, captain, and he oh. he sings mm, 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 by the crash test dummy. He's at a funeral and he says it's an old pirate dirge, and it's so <laughs> fucking great. I love that song, honestly. Really? Yes, I love that song. Why? Because it's great. Like, like legitimately, or yes, it, it's, yes. I'm I'm not it, kidding to, at all. I love. No, that song. to me, it's like. Like if if the dumbest kid in your eighth grade remedial creative writing class decided to write a version of Jeremy by Pearl Jam, that's the song that he, <laughs> that he would write. You know what makes that song is is the outro, uh, the like. Oh, yeah, the outro is, is kind of. Yeah, the outro. Um, I don't I don't know. I can't explain why I like it. I just do. That's okay. That's okay. I should not get on my my horse about any of this mm. um but yeah the the production on thrack is so bad that it i can't appreciate the songs because it just sounds like shit i don't think the songs are very good either though uh yeah they're i mean <laughs> they they just not. um they're just not uh they're just these kind of baggy riffy but uh, well, I don't know. Maybe it is the production that sinks them because, like, I can't yeah, to like, me, that's pay attention it. to these songs because yeah. they sound like, you know what it sounds like? It's produced like "Load" by Metallica. You ever listen to that album? Yes, it is exactly. Yes, it is exactly produced like that. <laughs> like it's just this like like it's it's, loudness, it's loudness loudness war bullshit. Yeah, yeah, it's it's just like it's 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 loudness war bullshit. Where, like, I don't notice that stuff so much. I'm not that smart. But, like, it's it's where everything is just so, like, driven to the max that it just becomes, like, mush in your head. You can't appreciate any of it. Right. Like, I don't, yeah. I don't know. It's I just think the guitars sound bad. <laughs> um, no, they do. And, but, they sound I, so I, I 90s. Know. Right, right. But like not like good nineties, like like mid nineties. No, mid nineties mainstream alternative rock. It sounds like the worst the worst uh impulses. It's it's so bizarre because you are hearing King Crimson like musicianship and songwriting. Right, right. But exactly. with the tone and production of the worst of nineties bullshit. That's the weirdest part about it. It's weird it's hearing such, those songs such a recorded weird like album that. Because of that. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Yes. Huge mistake. <laughs> um, but, you know, even leaving that aside, I, I don't know how solid this thing really is. Um, the only yeah. song that really... I, I had never listened to this before we, we did this episode. And I listened to this maybe three times. Uh, and the only song yeah. that really jumped out at me was Sex, Sleep, Eat, Drink, Dream. Uh, just cause like it had yeah. a memorable hook. I don't know. It was catchy. I actually found myself <laughs> singing it a little bit like during the week. Yeah. Um, but overall, yeah, I like I think dinosaur is kind of cool. Yeah. I don't know. Dinosaur. No, you don't. Yeah. You don't need this album. You don't. Um, yeah, I'm afraid not. I don't. I don't have no. anything else to say about it. Actually, if uh, you no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then we have um, their last uh, studio album. We're talking about the Power to Believe, which, mm. which came out in like 2003. Um, and this album, like, is an example of me me just really liking the way that King Crimson approaches music because like mm. this album isn't really great and I don't listen to it that much but I enjoy it when I listen to it just because I like the way that they're all playing mm. and also this one doesn't sound like, like absolute garbage the way that Thrack does well you know it's funny it does have these kind of uh, modern day production touches that you don't really expect to hear when it does but they're not Crimson, but though. they're not bad yeah but they're well, not the, bad like they don't take the one away that really from it. threw me the one that really threw me was the one that uses like a drum and bass loop like over the whole thing yeah do, do you know what I'm talking about I do uh, I'm blanking on which song it is um, but but yeah it's got that like thing going over it the whole time. Yeah, but I like that <laughs> shit, so it's like I like it. <laughs> well, I mean, I, it's not that I dislike that. It's that it's very odd to hear King Crimson using it. A and B, they were using it in two thousand three, yeah. uh, when that trend was already sort of uh, behind for like a good. Yeah. Well, what do you want? I mean, they're fucking a million years old. <laughs> um. Yeah. Honestly, this is another one that didn't really stick with me at all. So, if it's something you want to talk about, uh. Yeah, I guess. So. Like again, this this is one that um, like I I don't think anybody thinks that this is like even in their top five uh, King Crimson albums. But it does have songs I really like. Like, I really like Eyes Wide Open. And um, Electric, I think, is really cool. Um, like, because I just like the way that they play on it. But I don't know what else you need. I'm listening to music here. <laughs> it's a, uh, This album um, is also bold. But ha- half with... Yeah, um, Okay. Well, Those I, just, people I, I, bold anything. RYM has a very strong uh, King Crimson fixation because, I mean, yeah. Island and Lizard are bold. Look at what kind of look at what kind of website it is. Of course it does. <laughs> yeah, I suppose. Um, I'm on that but, website. 
But you would think that those are the same people that would, like, love Yes, and Yes doesn't have, like, all of their fucking 70s albums bolted, like, plus and they should. thousands. <laughs> Tornado got robbed, man. Tornado got robbed! Um, I will say, a song on this album that I think is really funny, I think you'll probably agree is happy with what you have to be happy with. Yeah. It's like yes, a weird yes. them doing a like right. parody song. I do remember like They think they're now. Weird Al all of a sudden. <laughs> um, yeah. This. Uh, how would you characterize... What does this album sound like to you? Um, I mean, it, it sounds like King Crimson doing a hard rock album from the 2000s but that but not like Slipknot-y because he would say oh hard rock album from the 2000s you're thinking of fucking Iowa it's not like that it's just them kind of farting around because they're old they can do whatever they want what do you care meh they were on tour they were on tour with, with Tool so there's an influence there Oh, yeah. I think. Um, I, I remember just, just the, the guy. Sorry, yeah. go ahead. The, the guy I had a crush on throughout high school and some of college loved Tool. So that's really embarrassing. <laughs> um, yeah. None of us were perfect. And he wasn't, he wasn't even good looking or anything. And he was mean to me. Nobody's perfect. He loved Tool. I remember I was very into King Crimson. My freshman year of high school, I met this guy. I was very into King Crimson. He said, he was like, yeah, I saw them when they opened for Tool. And I was like, you did? That's so cool. Tell me more. Um, yep. So, <laughs> Man, Tool not that interesting not of a story. A and then I would do, and then I would do what I didn't find out until like many years later of not to do this, which is, where I would like, I was like, well, if he knows how much I know about King Crimson, he's bound to respect me. And so I like was <laughs> telling him all of my knowledge and like thinking he was going to think I was cool. And I think he just was like intimidated that I knew more than him. And I realized many years later that that's like going to be a thing that happens that people, uh, they're not impressed so much as they're like overwhelmed by the amount out of stuff that you're throwing at them and then you make them feel small by accident. Right. Um, I find it's best not to talk about music unless I know the other person is also a huge music fan. <laughs> Cause, uh, I mean, this I guy ca- was. I just like overdid it. Mm. Well, that's it's, the thing is a, that it's like... A, it's a fine line we walk. It's, it's, it's that, like, people, you know, sometimes they ask you, you know, what kind of music do you like? And, you know, I kind of suspect they probably are not familiar with most of the music that yeah, I, I like, always, but whenever I can't somebody just be like, like, oh, somebody never heard of them. Something, I always just tell, yeah, I always just tell them that I like jazz. Because <laughs> it's, it's true. I do right. really like jazz. And then and usually they don't really ask. The then after that, they yes, I'm like, oh, I listen to a lot of jazz, and they're like, oh, okay, you sound boring. 
<laughs> and it's like, yeah. Right. Because no one knows works. anything about jazz, so they don't feel uh, inclined to continue the conversation, basically. And every once in a while, they'll be, like, really nice, and they'll be like, oh, um, there's a jazz club you should go to. And then I'm like, yeah, sure. And then I never go, because I don't go places. <laughs> so there you go. Um, so, I guess that's it for King Crimson, unless you have any final thoughts. That is it for King Crimson. They're they are still uh, active. They uh, make they go on live uh, tours and things like that. Uh, I've never seen them live. Um, I'm sure I would have a fantastic time. I just have not done it. And uh, their music is not readily available on YouTube or Spotify because Robert Fripp is an asshole. And so you have to uh, you have to uh, torrent it and go on Soulseek. And mm-hmm. yeah, that's how I had to like do it. Jerk, or you're, yeah, or you're like me, and you have a bunch of CDs because I bought them in high school. You know what sucks is that, like, and then now I still Spotify, like you can you can still find them on YouTube, but King Crimson does know, such a King good Crimson job of keeping cannot, their shit off of YouTube. Cannot do that. Yeah, it's so annoying. It's so annoying. Yeah, you have Rich. to go to Soulseek, and it's like it's like it's like you're. Making it, you're driving people to do exactly the thing you don't want to do. It's like, yeah, if your music was on Spotify, people would be listening it to it at like a not great uh, audio quality, and you'd get like two cents for every stream or whatever. But that's better than nothing. Like, I think Robert Fripp is just an old man that thinks like technology is witchcraft. Right. Um, and he's wrong, and he's uh, stupid. You think I should go see them? Uh, yeah, I would do it. All right, I will take that like, into consideration. And plus, it's it's just fun to see live music. It's true. I actually went uh, last weekend to see Julia Holter, who is an artist that mm-hmm. I've listened to before, but you know, I don't know her music that well. And I had a fucking yeah, great and I'm sure time. you had a great time. Her show was it was amazing. Her I show would was have, amazing. I would have a great time. I would have a great time. I would love to see the crash test dummies. I'm sure because <laughs> I just because live music is good. Like I just like live music. I'm sure I would have a great time. That's true. Um, all right. Well, I reckon on that note we should close things out. Next episode, we will be back with another progressive rock band. Yeah, try to guess which one. Who's it going to be? Who's it going to be? Uh, I mean, you can probably guess yeah, who no, it's like, going to be. <laughs> Think yeah, progressive rock like bands. And, uh, yeah. you'll probably uh, well, we, we are going to throw a bet. We are going to throw a fast one uh, on you, but I don't think uh, the next one is going to be the fast one. Um, the next episode is whatever. not going to be a surprise. No. That's, that's your Y'all noted. Mm. Y'all noted us. <laughs> All right, everybody. Thank you for listening. This has been our podcast. Could be your life. Goodbye. We love you. 
shattered by the sun I walk a road, horizons change The tournament's begun The purple piper plays his tune The choir softly sing Three lullabies in an ancient tongue For the court of the crimson king 